Thanks for joining us today on Open the Word with Circle of Friends. I'm Missy. I'm Beth. And I'm Gwen. So I guess I'm opening today, right? Okay. Mm. You're going to, you're going to, like, yeah. It's not like we sit around here and go, okay, who put their thumb up last on the table? Oh, that's you. (laughs) Um, But, okay. So I just mentioned that um, I was kind of intrigued by something my pastor had mentioned on Sunday. And so I brought it up and the girls were like, oh, let's talk about it. So here we go. Um, But Byron was talking... um, Pastor Byron, about there that there's three things that we really need to to have in our walk with God in order to have a complete and full faith. And so the first one is obviously the Logos, which is the Word of Christ dwelling in us richly. And there were a couple of verses that he went to for that, but um, the Logos is the Word. Mm-hmm. It's this idea of universal truth. And so, in any case, so there you go with the Logos. That was the first one. Pathos is the second one, which pathos is a passion of action that others can actually see we live it. And so we all know those people that, oh, for example, like they talk it, but then they don't actually believe it because they don't live it out or mm-hmm. they don't live out of it or they don't make their decisions about life through the lens of what they say they believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think pathos actually goes hand in hand with that worldview, mm-hmm. um, the biblical worldview. And then the third one is ethos, which is your internal experience of truth. Um, and honestly, I think ethos is the one that in deconstruction specifically is being allowed to reign louder than everything else. You know, so how I experience God becomes how he is, is, is I think one of the thought errors that's happening with that whole situation that's going on. So in other words, you know, the way God has acted according to me in my life um, my how I'm viewing God's action in my life either allows me to have faith in him or allows me to question who he is and reject him ultimately. Um, and so that whole dilemma seems to just be sitting in millennials and down for specifically. Um, and it's an age-old dilemma. It's been here before. Mm-hmm. It'll be here for a while. Mm-hmm. Probably not going away anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're sitting with some of that. So, yeah. So what were those three again? They were logos, logos, pathos, and ethos, yes. ethos. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so the ethos, does that have anything to do? Does you no, know, probably not. Cause immediately I, I come to the word ego when I see that word mm. ethos. Um, but it's our experience and our experience of the kind truth of the truth kind of comes back again to it's subjective it's about me mm-hmm. it is about me yeah. and it's it's why you know it seems like okay i grew up in an era where god holy righteous mm. um and a rather unapproachable mm. it was god there telling us here what to do when i first heard about running into the you know, lap of our daddy. It was like, what? Um, yeah, that kind of intimate relationship yeah, with the Lord. That was really yeah. strange to me. But I think maybe we have taken that, well, and I guess we've done it in our own homes too, that daddy lap is that safe place. There's no discipline. There's just mm-hmm. there's just love, 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 love. And if I don't feel like that was love, then I am disappointed. 
in fact, I'm downright mad, Hmm. right? Because I'm hearing a lot about this situation keeps going on and I'm so angry at God, and I get I get that, and God can take our anger. He has, he has given us all of our emotions, but I keep coming back to why do we get so angry at God and not at the fallen world that really is at the root of the majority of our troubles. God yeah. created us in a perfect environment for a, 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 a perfect life. And, and man fell. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think the other thing, too, is that uh, I think we're adding, we've added something to the gospel. We've added this expectation that if I do it the way God says to do it, mm-hmm. according to how I'm willing to do this, mm-hmm. um, that... God owes me. That's the word I was going to use. God it's owes like me. I'm entitled yeah. to certain things. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I, I was listening to a radio program in my th- early 30s, and it was um, he was talking about a 50-year-old woman, woman who had um, stayed pure and had never found a godly man. And, and so in her 50s, kind of her question was, um, you know, that she, well, her statement was that she's had moments where she's angry at God. Mm-hmm. And her statement was, I'm, I've watched people all around me disregard God's instructions for purity and righteousness and holiness and respect for marriage. And they've ended up with the amazing husband and the kids and the beautiful family. And I've followed God's standard and I'm alone. Um, and, and he was getting on to her for it. And I'm like, okay, first of all, that is a normal emotion for a single woman because they do, we do, we watch everybody who's walked in sin end up with what we've dreamed about. Um, but what we do with that in our faith is kind of what I'm getting to. Does that make sense? If our faith falls apart because God didn't give us the dream life that we've been imagining, then our faith wasn't anchored in truth. It was anchored in what we get mm-hmm. from God. If our tr- if our faith is is anchored in truth and in the word of God, then our faith holds fast even when we don't get the life we think we want or hope for. Mm-hmm. we Our faith holds fast when God calls us to plan B or to plan C or Z, F, and G. You know, and it doesn't matter what life looks like then because our, anch- our, our faith is grounded and anchored in something that does not change, that stands eternal, which mm-hmm. is the word of God, which is the nature and the character of who God really is. But if I'm basing it on other people or circumstances or what God does in my life, then I'm literally setting myself up for faith to crumble. Well, it's, again, that faith in God or faith if God. Mm. So here's the thing too. I'm really glad you brought that up because I think sometimes we pounce on the emotion of somebody, say that lady and he kind of got after her for the emotion is real and true, unauthentic and genuine. It's what you do with that emotion that matters. If you take that emotion and turn that around and say, well, it's God's fault because he, you know, I've done everything and he's, he's let me down Mm -hmm. or he hasn't 
done his part. Well, that's and now I'm done with him. And now, yeah, mm-hmm. and now, now mm-hmm. and, I, and I think we see that a lot today in today's world as much as any other time. But but again, Beth, you bring up this if God, if God, when it's conditional, we oh, we just bring so much stuff down mm-hmm. upon our own heads because yes, we're we're going to have emotion about situations that we're in. You think about the things that God asks us to do. They're not easy, and they certainly can't be done without the power of his Holy Spirit within us. Mm-hmm. To forgive someone who's betrayed you, to, to trust when we, we feel like we've been abandoned. I mean, there is that feeling of that. But that's what faith is. It's, it's supernatural. It goes beyond what logical thinking or just emotion tells us to do, right? Mm-hmm. Right. We we forgive the man who murders our daughter or we mm-hmm. we are in desperate straits and we we don't wig out because we know we just trust that God's going to do what God's going to do and he's going to take care of us. That is people that are not of faith don't understand that. Mm-hmm. And even people who claim to be Christians, some of them don't understand that. Why? It's it's the believing aspect. It's that faith aspect. It's that. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yes. It, it, it's a step beyond head knowledge. I do, and I think this is why some people say, oh, you're just a naive Christian. And I say, no, I'm, I'm a trusting, faith-filled Christian. Because even when it didn't, hasn't, doesn't, won't mm-hmm. turn out like I would like to write the end of that story to look like, I still trust God for the next step. I trust that he is good, and I trust that I don't recognize the bigger picture like he does. But I have been called naive in all of that. If I am, okay, uh, how's it working for you? Uh, I'm not angry. I... And what about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And they Even if... Our God can save us. Yep. And he may and he may not. Yeah. And if he doesn't, mm-hmm. even if he doesn't, we're not going to worship anybody else because yeah. we know who he is. Yeah. And it, that gets down to the crux of the matter. Do you know who God is? There's only one way to know who he is, and that is what he says about himself mm-hmm. in his word. He tells us who he is. Mm-hmm. He shows us in his word. And then and then you build your life on that truth, yes. not an experiential Which, or, or any other, like, you know, people yes. want to, well, this is my experience or this is my feeling or this is my, th- those are false and can lead you down a, a wrong trail. Which takes us back to the Logos. Yes. Mm-hmm. The Logos is absolutely essential. You can't do the pathos or the ethos unless you have the Logos. The Logos, the word of God dwelling in you richly is what starts the whole thing. Um, and let's, and let's review those again. What do you think? So the lo- logos needs to be the foundation, yes, from which everything else grows from. Yes. Let's just let's just read this from uh, Colossians. Mm, love it. Um, where we are are called to um, be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. Well, how can you, how can you do that 
you do that when you when you trust him and you know who he is and you know, like you said, Beth, we trust that he is a good, good father and good gifts come from him. And he has a plan and a purpose and we don't understand his mind. He is so far above our thoughts. But that's what you have to stand on. But And once you're secure in that, then then comes then comes the close walk with God. Then comes the emotion of seeing his hand and his fingerprints all over your life. Then comes that kind of faith that people go, you're you're naive if you think, no, I'm not naive. I'm not naive at all. Um, I had a couple of verses that I was kind of thinking of with some of these. Like the ethos is your eternal, internal experience. So um, for this one, I was just thinking about the passage in Hebrews 6, um, which talks about just tasting and partaking and and experiencing. So I wanted to kind of read that. So it's Hebrews 6, 4, and it says, For in the case of those who have, have once been enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the ages to come. And there's a warning in this. Um, And verse 6 says, And then have fallen away. It is impossible to renew them again to repentance, Mm. since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Um, And, you know, a lot of this is talking about the culture of the day. I mean, just think about... If you've gone through the, the, the cultural significant ritual of baptism, um, that was something that was even practiced in Judaism to come into the Jewish faith. There was a baptism to show everyone that you were now born into the Jewish faith. And so it was a concept that they understood um, in that known world at the time. So when you were baptized, they knew that you were going from an old life to a new life. And now imagine doing that. And back in the day, this is not popular to do. And so this is stepping out of normal life to live weird, to be with weird people, to talk about something weird, to live life so different and knowingly take on something that draws so much attention and persecution to become a part of that. Taste, to taste the gospel to taste the heavenly gift, to understand what the Holy Spirit is, and to partake of that, to taste the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then to leave. Mm -hmm. Think about how would you ever come back? You know what I mean? And so you can kind of get the seriousness of what he's talking about. And the whole point of Hebrews is that there were so many Jewish believers that had come to Christ out of the Jewish faith that were thinking about making life easier and going back to being Jewish. And so basically they would go back to following all the rules and the laws. And and the whole point of Hebrews is contending with them to hold fast, to remain faithful, that Christ is the better sacrifice, that he's the better um Moses, he's the better, you know, everything. He's just so much more than what they had in Judaism as it was. Um, And so that's the entire point of Hebrews. But in this passage right here, this is your experience. This is that internal experience Mm -hmm. of understanding what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to be saved, so to speak. Um, Understanding that is your ethos. That is that internal experience. Um, Chapter 5, verse 13 and 14, is the Logos. 
This is that word of God dwelling in you richly and being a good steward who knows how to study scripture. Um, So verse 13 says, you know what? I'm going to back up to 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles um, of God. And you have come to need milk, not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have had, or practice, and we can add in, practice is what? It's discipline. Um, have had their senses trained to discern good and evil. And how did they get that discernment, that training to discern? They got it from the word of God, from being able to eat solid word um, and being able to understand and digest it. Um, and so that one was for the Logos. How about you guys? What about for the pathos? Any verses come to mind for you guys, mm-hmm. which is where your passion um, becomes action that other people can see. I think that's like the obedience of Christ. I would say it is obedience. It is It is your passion in action. I think earlier you said it's the passion of action, but it's, it's the um, actions speak louder than words. You know, it's that it's, it's putting feet to your faith. Now, that's where we've gotten it a little backwards. We do the good things to be seen as good, to be, uh, I hope I go to heaven. But this is, this is the pathos, the pas- passion of action comes after you recognize what Christ did for you. Yes. It's the root first and yeah. then fruit instead of trying to get all the action, the fruit, you know, together in your own strength. John 14, 21 is coming to mind. Mm-hmm. That's exactly like where that. I was at. Is that where you yeah. went, Missy? Yeah. I love it when God does yeah. that. I love it. So I love cool. it. Okay. So John 14, 21. He who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. Um, and so what you see here is that following God's commands in obedience and living the way you live um, is what literally shows that you love God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I will love him and will disclose myself with him, which there's their promise of relationship, of experience. Um, that comes in following obedience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have written in my margin, knowing isn't enough. Mm. Obedience must follow are knowing yeah it's it, boy it's so much like raising kids <laughs> you know they know you're their mommy and daddy but the knowing isn't enough in order to grow into a healthy adult in order to lead our children into adult healthy adulthood there has to be feet to the knowing there, there, it has to be put into action. Yes. John 14 was a great way to, <laughs> to segue into that. And, you know, you can keep going because then we have John 15. Oh, and like and how, yeah. how are you going to continue to be fruitful? Mm-hmm. To abide. Yeah. Abide. And my Dwell. words abide in you. Exactly. Verse 7. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, the book of John is pretty great. I love, uh, well, 
all the Gospels. I mean, there's a reason why, uh, is it in 2 Corinthians, I think, why the, um, the original creed that was passed down to the, so they didn't have the Bible, right? Oh, let me find it. Apostolic creed. Um, yeah, one of the first creeds that was passed down um, is written down in the, one of the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15, this is one of the original creeds, remembering that the first believers did not have the Bible to go back to, to look at, to remind themselves of of everything that Jesus had done for them. And so uh, this creed became how they were grounded in the word when the word became life. Verse 1 reads, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And here's the creed, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And then it goes on to say, then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born he appeared also to me. So this is firsthand knowledge of who Jesus is, was, and will always be. This is that word that must dwell in us richly. And from that foundation, abiding in that vine is where the fruit of our lives is produced. Um, you know, Beth, you had said something before we started today about the Logos, mm-hmm. but then you had a couple of others, and it was like the written word and a couple of... Uh-huh. I want you to go over that. Yes. Because well, that was I, so good. I love that you took us to the Logos and the, the Pathos and the Ethos, mm-hmm. right? Did I pronounce those yes, right? I think so. But whenever I come back um, to the Logos, Logos, I remember that it's kind of three-part also. Mm-hmm. So the word, that's what Logos means. Uh, but the word, you know, you have the written word. I believe that's called the graphia, and I always think of graphite pencils, right? It's the, it's the pen to the paper or the pencil to the paper or the stylus to the parchment or whatever it was. It was the written word word, right? It's it's the actual doing, Logos. Then you had um, the Logos, and that's, that's the word that we have right here in the Word of God. It is for us to read. We're not actually writing it, although I think that's a great way to study the Bible, is to read the Word and write it out in your journal and, and just take it one word at a time. So, so, you know, we can use those two things uh, together, we can take the written word of God and write it out, graphia, in our own um, quiet time. But then comes oh, the, the, the word that I just love, and that's the rhema. And that is that moment when the word of God is spoken over your heart, and you know it is for you. God's whisper, this comes... This comes in those moments where you're just being still before him. Remember, when we pray, God listens. But when we listen, God speaks. How does God speak? 
through his word. Those times when you are in that prayer place, wherever that looks like for you, and you are just crying out to God, and you know you need an answer, and you want it to be his answer, and he speaks the Logos back over your heart, that's the rhema. You know, it's, it is God speaking the word directly to me for this situation that I am stuck in. I am wanting to go through, but I can't get out of this place, Lord, unless you move me forward. I need your word to be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. One of the beautiful things that happened when we were in the Holy Lands is our guide, our, 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 our leader from our church that headed up the trip has been over there multiple times. He always uses the same guide. And he said one of the things he always asks of our guide is that, take me someplace you haven't taken me before. So our guide wanted, our guide Tony wanted to surprise Rick. And we turned off the beaten path and went up this winding mountain, and he took us to a place where we could look down into a, a, a valley, and sure enough, he said, see this part over here? When the sun crosses, it is so dark, you cannot see your hand in front of your face, and that is the valley of the shadow of death. Oh. It's not just Psalm 23. It's a, a real place where the, the psalmist walked through. They, when they were talking about the valley of the shadow of death, I always say that's life here on this earth. Well, yeah, it is, but it's a real place too. It is a place where they had to trust God for the next step. It's hmm. also the place that led from Jericho to Jerusalem. So guess what? Jesus passed through, the Samarias along the way, the Good Samaritan, all of, so much history in that valley. But one of the, the historical features of it was that it truly is known as the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Huh. Huh. Oh, Beth, I'm serious. Someday. <laughs> Someday. Oh, I so, I so look forward to the day that my friends go there and we can have this conversation with all three of us seeing those different places firsthand and then coming back to the table and talking about that experience. But until then, we can live vicariously through, through Beth. Uh, well, through through my experience, <laughs> through the experience of others, and through YouTube. the truth of God's word and YouTube. Yes, you and YouTube. Um, you know, it is something that has... Uh, it. it it wasn't something that 40-year-old Beth thought would ever happen. But 50-year-old Beth started thinking about it. And then 60-year-old Beth got to go experience it. And it has changed the way I read the word. Mm. But you know what? Even without being there, I am so thankful that 40-year-old Beth was encouraged to be in the word each and every day by her friend and accountability partner, Andrea. Yeah. It was out of fear of Andrea that I started opening the word on a daily basis. And that fear probably lasted a year or two where I was actually reading because I knew Andrea was going to ask. But that day came when I woke up thinking, oh, 
I wonder what the word's going to say to me today. And I knew that I was no longer reading for Andrea. I was reading because I wanted to hear from God. That never would have happened if she would have not forced that discipline that sure didn't seem pleasant at first but painful onto an accountability partner that she she loved and wanted the best for. Don't be afraid of the word. Open the word. Read the word. Start in the Gospels. Start in the Psalms. Start somewhere. But every day, allow the word to be the lamp for your feet and the light for your path. And don't just take our word for it. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd love to hear from you, so find us on Facebook and Instagram at Open the Word Podcast or send us an email to openthewordpodcast at gmail.com. Is it time for you to plan a day trip with your peeps? Come and stay a while at Shia Market in Berlin. There is something for everyone, no matter what your taste or style may be. Visit the Village Gift Barn for your custom floral arrangements and timeless accessories for your home. Stroll upstairs to Shia's Style Boutique for your perfect outfit. Everything from accessories to shoes. Be inspired at country gatherings with decor from Modern Farmhouse, to transitional design. Then meander through the gardens for a large selection of houseplants. And last but not least, order your perfect cup of brew at the Buggy Brew Coffee Company. End your day by gathering to relax in our courtyard. You will leave feeling connected and refreshed.